Book Third of the Joyful Wisdom, Part Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Joyful Wisdom by Friedrich Nietzsche, translated by Thomas Common. Book Third, Part Two. One for one, too oriental. What? A God who loves men, providing that they believe in Him and who hurls frightful glances and threatenings at him who does not believe in his love. What? A conditioned love, as the feeling of an almighty God, which has not even become master of the sentiment of honour, and of the irritable desire for vengeance. How oriental is all that! Quote, if I love thee, what does it concern thee? Unquote. Translator's footnote. This means that true love does not look for reciprocity. End translator's note. Is already sufficient criticism for the whole of Christianity. 142. Frankincense. Buddha says, Do not flatter thy benefactor. Let one repeat this saying in a Christian church. It immediately purifies the air of all Christianity. 143. The Greatest Utility of Polytheism For the individual to set up his own ideal, and derive from it his laws, his pleasures, and his rights, that has perhaps been hitherto regarded as the most monstrous of all human aberrations and as idolatry in itself. In fact, the few who have ventured to do this have always needed to apologize to themselves, usually in this wise. Quote, not I, not I, but a God through my instrumentality. Unquote. It was in this marvellous art and capacity for creating gods, in polytheism, that this impulse was permitted to discharge itself. It was here that it became purified, perfected and ennobled, for it was originally a commonplace and unimportant impulse, akin to stubbornness, disobedience and envy. To be hostile to this impulse, towards the individual ideal, that was formerly the law of every morality. There was then only one norm, quote, the man, unquote, and every people believed that it had this one and ultimate norm. But above himself, and outside of himself, in a distant overworld, a person could see a multitude of norms. The one God was not the denial or blasphemy of the other gods. It was here that individuals were first permitted. It was here that the rights of individuals was first respected. The inventing of gods, heroes, and supermen of all kinds, as well as coordinating men and undermen. Dwarfs, fairies, centaurs, satyrs, demons, devils was the inestimable preliminary to the justification of the selfishness and sovereignty of the individual, the freedom which was granted to one god in respect to other gods, was at last given to the individual himself in respect to laws, customs, and neighbours. Monotheism, 
on the contrary, the rigid consequence of the doctrine of the one normal human being, consequently the belief in a normal God, beside whom there are only false, spurious gods, has perhaps been the greatest danger of mankind in the past. Man was then threatened by that premature state of inertia, which, so far as we can see, most of the other species of animals reached long ago, as creatures who all believed in one normal animal and ideal of their species, and definitely translated their morality of custom into flesh and blood. In polytheism, man's free thinking and many-sided thinking had a prototype set up, the power to create for himself new and individual eyes, always newer and more individualized, so that it is for man alone, of all the animals, that there are no eternal horizons and perspectives. 144. Religious Wars The greatest advance of the masses hitherto has been religious war, for it proves that the masses have begun to deal reverently with conceptions of things. Religious wars only result when human reason generally has been refined by the subtlest disputes of sects, so that even the populace becomes punctilious, and regards trifles as important, actually thinking it possible that the quote, eternal salvation of the soul, unquote, may depend upon minute distinctions of concept. 145. Danger of Vegetarians The immense prevalence of rice-eating impels to the use of opium and narcotics, in like manner as the immense prevalence of potato-eating impels to the use of brandy. It also impels, however, in its more subtle after-effects to modes of thinking and feeling which operate narcotically. This is in accord with the fact that those who promote narcotic modes of thought and feeling, like those Indian teachers, praise a purely vegetable diet, and would like to make it a law for the masses. They want thereby to call forth and augment the need which they are in a position to satisfy. 146. German Hopes Do not let us forget that the names of peoples are generally names of reproach. The Tartars, for example, according to their name, are, quote, the dogs, unquote. They were so christened by the Chinese, quote, Deutschen, unquote, paren, Germans, end paren, means originally, quote, heathen, unquote. It was thus that the Goths, after their conversion, named the great masses of their unbaptized fellow tribes. According to the indication in their translation of the Septuagint, in which the heathen are designated by the word which in Greek signifies, quote, the nations, unquote, paren, see Ulfalas, end paren. It might still be possible for the Germans to make an honourable name ultimately out of their old name of reproach by becoming the first non-Christian nation of Europe, for which purpose Schopenhauer, to their honour, regarded them as highly qualified. The work of Luther 
would thus be consummated, he who taught them to be anti-Roman, and to say, quote, Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise, unquote. 147. Question and Answer What do savage tribes at present accept first of all from Europeans? Brandy and Christianity, the European narcotics. And by what means are they fastest ruined? By the European narcotics. 148. Where Reformations Originate at the time of the greatest corruption of the church, it was least of all corrupted in Germany. It was on that account that the Reformation originated here. As a sign, even the beginnings of corruption were felt to be unendurable. For, comparatively speaking, no people was ever more Christian than the Germans at the time of Luther. Their Christian culture was just about to burst into bloom with a hundredfold splendour. One night only was still lacking, but that night brought the storm which put an end to all. 149. The Failure of Reformations It testifies to the higher culture of the Greeks, even in rather early ages, that attempts to establish new Grecian religions frequently failed. It testifies that quite early there must have been a multitude of dissimilar individuals in Greece, whose dissimilar troubles were not cured by a single recipe of faith and hope. Pythagoras and Plato, perhaps also Empedocles, and already much earlier the Orphic enthusiasts aimed at founding new religions and the first two named were so endowed with the qualifications for founding religions that one cannot be sufficiently astonished at their failure. They just reached the point of founding sects. Each time that the reformation of an entire people fails and only sects raise their heads, one may conclude that the people already contained many types and has begun to free itself from the gross herding instincts and the morality of custom. A momentous state of suspense, which one is accustomed to disparage as decaying of morals and corruption, while it announces the maturing of the egg and the early rupture of the shell. That Luther's Reformation succeeded in the North is a sign that the North had remained backward in comparison with the South of Europe, and still had requirements tolerably uniform in colour and kind. And there would have been no Christianizing of Europe at all, if the culture of the old world of the South had not been gradually barbarized by an excessive admixture of the blood of German barbarians and thus lost its ascendancy. The more universally and unconditionally an individual or the thought of an individual can operate, so much more homogeneous and so much lower must be the mass that is there operated upon, while counter-strivings betray internal counter-requirements, which also want to gratify and realize themselves. Reversely, one may always conclude with regard to an actual elevation of culture when powerful and ambitious natures only produce a limited and sectarian effect. 
This is true also for the separate arts, and for the provinces of knowledge. Where there is ruling, there are masses. Where there are masses, there is need of slavery. Where there is slavery, the individuals are but few, and have the instincts and conscience of the herd opposed to them. 150. Criticism of Saints Must one then, in order to have a virtue, be desirous of having it precisely in its most brutal form, as the Christian saints desired and needed? Those who only endured life with the thought that the sight of their virtue self-contempt might seize every man, a virtue with such an effect I call brutal. 151. The Origin of Religion The metaphysical requirement is not the origin of religions, as Schopenhauer claims, but only a later sprout from them. Under the dominance of religious thoughts we have accustomed ourselves to the idea of quote, another paren, back, under or upper end paren, world, end quote, and feel an uncomfortable void and privation through the annihilation of the religious illusion, and then quote, another world unquote, grows out of this feeling once more, but now it is only a metaphysical world, and no longer a religious one. That, however, which in general lead to the assumption of quote, another world unquote, in primitive times was not an impulse or requirement, but an error in the interpretation of certain natural phenomenon, a difficulty of the intellect. 152. The Greatest Change The lustre and the hues of all things have changed. We no longer quite understand how earlier men conceived of the most familiar and frequent things, for example, of the day, and the awakening in the morning. Owing to their belief in dreams, the waking state seemed to them differently illuminated, and similarly of the whole of life, with its reflection of death and its significance. Our, quote, death, unquote, is an entirely different death. All events were of a different lustre, for a god shone forth in them, and similarly of all resolutions and peeps into the distant future, for people had oracles and secret hints, and believed in prognostication. Quote, truth, unquote, was conceived in quite a different manner, for the insane could formerly be regarded as its mouthpiece, a thing which made us shudder or laugh. Injustice made a different impression on the feelings, for people were afraid of divine retribution, and not only of legal punishment and disgrace. What joy was there in an age when men believed in the devil and tempter? What passion was there when people saw demons lurking close at hand? What philosophy was there when doubt was regarded as sinfulness of the most dangerous kind? and in fact as the outrage on eternal love, as distrust of everything good, high, pure, and compassionate. We have coloured things anew, we paint them over continually. But what have we been able to do hitherto, in comparison with that splendid colouring of that old master? I mean ancient humanity. 153 Homo Poeta. 
Quote, I myself, who have made this tragedy of tragedies altogether independently, in so far as it is completed, I who have first entwined the perplexities of morality about existence, and have tightened them so that only a god can unravel them, so Horace demands, I have already in the fourth act killed all the gods, for the sake of morality. What is now to be done about the fifth act? Where shall I get the tragic denouncement? Must I now think about a comic denouncement? End quote. 154. Differences in the Dangerousness of Life You don't know at all what you experience. You run through life as if intoxicated, and now and then fall down a stair. Thanks, however, to your intoxication, you still do not break your limbs. Your muscles are too languid, and your head too confused to find the stones of the staircase as hard as we others do. For us life is a great danger. We are made of glass, alas, if we should strike against anything, and all is lost if we should fall. 155. What we lack. We love the grandeur of nature, and have discovered it. That is because human grandeur is lacking in our minds. It is the reverse with the Greeks. Their feeling towards nature was quite different from ours. 156. The Most Influential Person The fact that a person resists the whole spirit of his age, stops it at the door and calls it to account, must exert an influence. It is indifferent whether he wishes to exert an influence. The point is that he can. 157. Mentiare. Take care, he reflects. He will have a lie ready immediately. This is a stage in civilization of whole nations. Consider only what the Romans expressed by Mentiare. 158. An inconvenient peculiarity. To find everything deep is an inconvenient peculiarity that makes one constantly strain one's eyes, so that in the end one always finds more than one wishes. 159. Every virtue has its time. The honesty of him who is at present inflexible often causes him remorse, for inflexibility is the virtue of a time different from that in which honesty prevails. 160. In intercourse with virtues, one can also be undignified and flattering towards a virtue. 161. To the admirers of the age. A runaway priest and the liberated criminal are continually making grimaces. What they want is a look without a past. But have you ever seen men who know that their look reflects the future, and who are so courteous to you, the admirers of the, quote, age, unquote, that they assume a look without a future? 162. Egotism. Egotism is the perspective law of our sentiment, according to which the near appears large and momentous, while in the distance the magnitude and importance of all things diminish. 163. 
after a great victory the best thing in a great victory is that it deprives the conqueror of the fear of defeat why should i not be worsted for once he says to himself i am now rich enough to stand it one six four those who seek repose i recognize the minds that seek repose by the many dark objects with which they surround themselves those who want to sleep darken their chambers or creep into caverns a hint to those who do not know what they really seek most and would like to know one six five the happiness of renunciation he who has absolutely dispensed with something for a long time will almost imagine when he accidentally meets it again that he has discovered it and what happiness every discoverer has let us be wiser than the serpents that lie too long in the same sunshine one six six always in their own society all that is akin to me in nature and history speaks to me praises me urges me forwards and comforts me the other thing is unheard by me or immediately forgotten we are only in our own society always one six seven misanthropy and philanthropy we only speak about being sick of men when we can also no longer digest them and yet have the stomach full of them misanthropy is the result of a far too eager philanthropy and quote, cannibalism unquote. but whoever bade you swallow men like oysters my prince hamlet one six eight concerning an invalid quote, things go badly with him unquote. what is wrong quote, he suffers from the longing to be praised and finds no sustenance for it unquote. inconceivable all the world does honor to him and he is reverenced not only in deed but in word quote, certainly but he is dull of hearing for the praise when a friend praises him it sounds to him as if the friend praised himself when an enemy praised him it sounded to him as if the enemy wanted to be praised for it when finally someone else praises him there are by no means so many of those he is so famous he is offended because they neither want him for a friend nor for an enemy he is accustomed to say what do i care for those who can still pose as the all-righteous towards me Unquote. one six nine avowed enemies bravery in the presence of an enemy is a thing by itself a person may possess it and still be a coward and an irresolute numbskull that was napoleon's opinion concerning the quote, bravest men unquote, he knew murat whence it follows that avowed enemies are indispensable to some men if they are to attain to their virtue to their manliness to their cheerfulness 170 with the multitude he has hitherto gone with the multitude and is a panegyrist but one day he will be its opponent for he follows it in the belief that his laziness will find its advantage thereby 
he has not yet learned that the multitude is not lazy enough for him, that it always presses forwards, that it does not allow anyone to stand still, and he likes so well to stand still. 171. Fame When the gratitude of many to one casts aside all shame, then fame originates. 172. The perverter of taste A. You are the perverter of taste, they say so everywhere. B. Certainly, I pervert everyone's taste for his party, no party forgives me for that. 173. To be profound and to appear profound. He who knows that he is profound strives for clearness. He who would like to appear profound to the multitude strives for obscurity. The multitude thinks everything profound of which it cannot see the bottom. It is so timid and goes so unwillingly into the water. 174. Apart. Parliamentarianism, that is to say, the public permission to choose between five main political opinions, insinuates itself into the favour of the numerous classes who would fain appear independent and individual, and like to fight for their opinions. After all, however, it is a matter of indifference whether one opinion is imposed upon the herd, or five opinions are permitted to it. He who diverges from the five public opinions and goes apart has always the whole herd against him. 175. Concerning Eloquence What has hitherto had the most convincing eloquence? The rolling of the drum. And as long as kings have this at their command, they will always be the best orators and popular leaders. 176. Compassion The poor, ruling princes, all their rights now change unexpectedly into claims, and all these claims immediately sound like pretensions. And if they but say, quote, we, unquote, or, quote, my people, unquote, wicked old Europe begins laughing. Verily, a chief master of ceremonies of the modern world would make little ceremony with them. Perhaps he would decree that the sovereign rangeen en parvenu. One seven seven, on quote, educational matters unquote. In Germany, an important educational means is lacking for higher men, namely the laughter of higher men. These men do not laugh in Germany. 178. For moral enlightenment. The Germans must be talked out of their Mephistopheles, and out of their Faust also. These are two moral prejudices against the value of knowledge. 179. Thoughts. Thoughts are the shadows of our sentiments. Always, however, obscurer, emptier, and simpler. 180. The good time for free spirits. Free spirits take liberties even with regard to science, and meanwhile they are allowed to do so, while the church still remains. 
in so far they have now there a good time. 181. Following and Leading A. Of the two, the one will always follow, the other will always lead, whatever be the course of their destiny, and yet the former is superior to the other in virtue and intellect. B. And yet? And yet? That is spoken for the others, not for me, not for us. Fight secundum regulum. 182. In solitude. When one lives alone, one does not speak too loudly. And one does not write too loudly either, for one fears the hollow reverberation, the criticism of the nymph echo. And all voices sound differently in solitude. 183. The music of the best future. The first musicians for me would be he who knew only the sorrow of the profoundest happiness, and no other sorrow. There has not hitherto been such a musician. 184. Justice. Better allow oneself to be robbed than to have scarecrows around one. That is my taste, and under all circumstances it is just a matter of taste, and nothing more. 185. Poor. He is now poor, but not because everything has been taken from him, but because he has thrown everything away. What does he care? He is accustomed to finding new things. It is the poor who misunderstand his voluntary poverty. 186. Bad conscience. All that he now does is excellent and proper and yet he has a bad conscience with it all, for the exceptional is his task. 187. Offensiveness in Expression This artist offends me by the way in which he expresses his ideas, his very excellent ideas, so diffusely and forcibly, and with such gross rhetorical artifices, as if he were speaking to the mob, we feel always as if, quote, in bad company, unquote, when devoting some time to his art. 188. Work. How closely work and the workers now stand even to the most leisurely of us. The royal courtesy in the words, quote, we are all workers, unquote, would have been a cynicism and an indecency even under Louis the Fourteenth. 189. The Thinker He is a thinker, that is to say, he knows how to take things more simply than they are. 190. Against Eulogizers A. One is only praised by one's equals. B. Yes, and he who praises you says, you are my equal. 191. Against many a vindication. The most perfidious manner of injuring a cause is to vindicate it intentionally with fallacious arguments. 192. The good-natured. What is it that distinguishes the good-natured, whose 
countenances beam kindness from other people. They feel quite at ease in presence of a new person, and are quickly enamoured of him. They therefore wish him well. Their first opinion is, quote, he pleases me, unquote. With him there follow in succession the wish to appropriate, paren, they make little scruple about the person's worth, end paren, rapid appropriation, joy in the possession, and actions in favour of the person possessed. 193. Kant's Joke Kant tried to prove, in a way that dismayed, quote, everybody, unquote, that, quote, everybody, unquote, was in the right. That was his secret joke. He wrote against the learned, in favour of the popular prejudice. He wrote, however, for the learned, and not for the people. 194. The, quote, open-hearted, unquote, man. That man acts probably always from concealed motives, for he has always communicable motives on his tongue, and almost in his open hand. 195. Laughable. See, see, he runs away from men. They follow him, however, because he runs before them. They are such a gregarious lot. 196. The limits of our sense of hearing. We hear only the questions to which we are capable of finding an answer. 197. Caution, therefore. There is nothing we are fonder of communicating to others than the seal of secrecy, together with what is under it. 198. Vexation of the Proud Man The proud man is vexed even with those who help him forwards. He looks angrily at his carriage horses. 199. Liberality Liberality is often only a form of timidity in the rich. 200. Laughing To laugh means to love mischief, but with a good conscience. 201. In applause. In applause there is always some kind of noise, even in self-applause. 202. A spendthrift. He has not yet the poverty of the rich man who has counted all his treasure. He squanders his spirit with the irrationalities of the spendthrift nature. 203. Hic Niger Est. Usually he has no thoughts, but in exceptional cases bad thoughts come to him. 204. Beggars and Courtesy One is not discourteous when one knocks at a door with a stone when the bell-pull is a-wanting, So thinks all beggars and necessitous persons, but no one thinks they are in the right. 205. Need. Need is supposed to be the cause of things, but in truth it is often only the effect of the things themselves. 206. During the rain. It rains. And I think of the poor people who now crowd together with their many cares, 
which they are unaccustomed to conceal. All of them, therefore, ready and anxious to give pain to one another, and thus provide themselves with a pitiable kind of comfort, even in bad weather. This, this only, is the poverty of the poor. 207. The Envious Man That is the envious man. It is not desirable that he should have children. He would be envious of them because he can no longer be a child. 208. A great man. Because a person is, quote, a great man, unquote, we are not authorized to infer that he is a man. Perhaps he is only a boy, or a chameleon of all ages, or a bewitched girl. 209. A mode for asking, for reasons. There is a mode for asking for our reasons, which not only makes us forget our best reasons, but also arouses in us a spite and repugnance against reason generally, a very stupefying mode of questioning, and properly an artifice of tyrannical men. 210. Moderation in diligence. One must not be anxious to surpass the diligence of one's father. That would make one ill. 211. Secret Enemies To be able to keep a secret enemy, that is a luxury which the morality even of the highest-minded persons can rarely afford. 212. Not letting oneself be deluded. His spirit has bad manners, it is hasty and always stutters with impatience, so that one would hardly suspect the deep breathing and the large chest of the soul in which it resides. 213. The way to happiness. A sage asked of a fool the way to happiness. The fool answered without delay, like one who had been asked the way to the next town, admire yourself and live on the street. Hold, cried the sage, you require too much, it suffices to admire oneself. The fool replied, but how can one constantly admire without constantly despising? 214. Faith Saves Virtue gives happiness and a state of blessedness only to those who have a strong faith in their virtue. Not, however, to the more refined souls whose virtue consists of a profound distrust of themselves and of all virtue. After all, therefore, it is, quote, faith that saves, unquote, here also, and be it well observed, not virtue. 215. The Ideal and the Material You have a noble ideal before your eyes, but are you also such a noble stone that such a divine image could be formed out of you? Without that, is not all your labour barbaric sculpturing, a blasphemy of your ideal? 216. Danger in the Voice 
With a very loud voice a person is almost incapable of reflecting on subtle matters. 217. Cause and Effect Before the effect one believes in other causes than after the effect. 218. My Antipathy I do not like those people who, in order to produce an effect, have to burst like bombs, and in whose neighbourhood one is always in danger of suddenly losing one's hearing, or even something more. 219. The Object of Punishment The object of punishment is to improve him who punishes. That is the ultimate appeal for those who justify punishment. 220. Sacrifice The victims think otherwise than the spectators about sacrifice and sacrificing, but they have never been allowed to express their opinion. 221. Consideration Fathers and sons are much more considerate of one another than mothers and daughters. 222. Poet and Liar the poet sees a liar in his foster brother, whose milk he has drunk up. The latter has thus remained wretched, and not even attained to a good conscience. 223. Vicariousness of the senses. We have also eyes in order to hear with them, said the old confessor who had grown deaf. And among the blind, he that has the longest ears is king. 224. Animal Criticism I fear that animals regard man as being like themselves, very seriously endangered by a loss of sound animal understanding. They regard him, perhaps, as the absurd animal, the laughing animal, the crying animal, the unfortunate animal. 225. The Natural Quote, evil has always had a great effect, and nature is evil. Let us therefore be natural. End quote. So reason secretly the great aspirants after effect, who are too often counted among great men. 226. The distrustful and their style. We say the strongest things simply, provided people are about us who believe in our strength. Such an environment educates to, quote, simplicity of style, unquote. The distrustful, on the other hand, speak emphatically. They make things emphatic. 227. Fallacy, fallacy. He cannot rule himself. Therefore, that woman concludes that it will be easy to rule him, and throws out her lines to catch him, the poor creature, who in a short time will be his slave. 228. Against Mediators He who attempts to mediate between two decided thinkers is rightly called mediocre. He has not an eye for seeing the unique. Similarizing and equalizing are signs of weak eyes. 229. Obstinacy and Loyalty out of obstinacy he holds fast to a cause of which the questionableness has become obvious. 
He calls that, however, his quote, loyalty. Unquote. 230. Lack of reserve. His whole nature fails to convince. That results from the fact that he has never been reticent about a good action he has performed. 231. The quote, plodders. Unquote. Persons slow of apprehension think that slowness forms part of knowledge. 232. Dreaming. Either one does not dream at all, or one dreams in an interesting manner. One must learn to be awake in the same fashion, either not at all, or in an interesting manner. 233. The most dangerous point of view. What I now do, or neglect to do, is as important for all that is to come as the greatest event of the past. In this immense perspective of effects, all actions are equally great and small. 234. Conciliatory words of a musician. Quote, your life does not sound into people's ears. For them you live a dumb life, and all refinements of melody, all fond resolutions in following or leading the way, are concealed from them. To be sure, you do not parade the thoroughfares with regimental music. But these good people have no right to say on that account that your life is lacking in music. He that hath ears, let him hear. Unquote. 235. Spirit and Character Many a one attains his full height of character, but his spirit is not adapted to the elevation, and many a one reversely. 236. To move the multitude is it not necessary for him who wants to move the multitude to give a stage representation of himself? Has he not first to translate himself into the grotesquely obvious, and then set forth his whole personality, and cause in that vulgarizing and simplified fashion? 237. The Polite Man He is so polite! Yes, he has always a sob for Seberus with him, and so timid that he takes everybody for Seberus, even you and me. That is his, quote, politeness, unquote. 238. Without envy. He is wholly without envy, but there is no merit therein. For he wants to conquer a land which no one has yet possessed, and hardly anyone has even seen. 239. The Joyless Person A single joyless person is enough to make constant displeasure and a clouded heaven in a household. And it is only by a miracle that such a person is lacking. Happiness is not nearly such a contagious disease. How is that? 240. On the Seashore I would not build myself a house, paren. It is an element of my happiness not to be a house owner, end paren. If I had to do so, however, I should build it 
like many of the Romans, right into the sea. I should like to have some secrets in common with that beautiful monster. 241. Work and Artist This artist is ambitious, and nothing more. Ultimately, however, his work is only a magnifying glass, which he offers to everyone who looks in his direction. 242. Sumikai Q. However great be my greed of knowledge, I cannot appropriate aught of things but what already belongs to me. The property of others still remains in things. How is it possible for a man to be a thief or a robber? 243. Origin of quote, good unquote, and quote, bad. Unquote. He only will devise an improvement who can feel that quote, this is not good. Unquote. 244. Thoughts and words. Even our thoughts we are unable to render completely in words. 245. Praise in choice. The artist chooses his subjects. That is his mode of praising. 246. Mathematics. We want to carry the refinement and rigor of mathematics into all the sciences, as far as it is in any way possible, not in the belief that we shall apprehend things in this way, but in order thereby to assert our human relation to things. Mathematics is only a means to general and ultimate human knowledge. 247. Habits. All our habits make our hand wittier and our wit unhandier. 248. Books. On what account is a book that never carries us away beyond all books? 249. The sigh of the seeker of knowledge. Quote, oh, my covetousness. In this soul there is no disinterestedness, but an all-desiring self, which, by means of many individuals, would fain see with its own eyes, and grasp with its own hands, a self bringing back even the entire past, and wanting to lose nothing that could in any way belong to it. Oh, this flame of my covetousness! Oh, that I were reincarnated into a hundred individuals! End quote. He who does not know this sigh by experience does not know the passion of the seeker of knowledge either. 250. Guilt. Although the most intelligent judges of the witches, and even the witches themselves, were convinced of the guilt of witchcraft, the guilt, nevertheless, was not there. So it is with all guilt. 251. Misunderstood Sufferers Great natures suffer otherwise than their worshippers imagine. They suffer most severely from the ignoble, petty emotions of certain evil moments. In short, from their doubt of their own greatness. Not, however, from the sacrifices and martyrdoms which their task requires of them. As long as Prometheus sympathizes with men, 
and sacrifices himself for them, he is happy and proud in himself. But on becoming envious of Zeus and of the homage which mortals pay to him, then Prometheus suffers. 252. Better to be in debt. Quote, Better to remain in debt than to pay with money that does not bear our stamp. End quote. That is what our sovereignty prefers. 253. Always at home. One day we attain our goal, and then refer with pride to the long journeys we have made to reach it. In truth, we did not notice that we travelled. We got into the habit of thinking that we were at home in every place. 254 against embarrassment he who is always thoroughly occupied is rid of all embarrassment 255 imitators a what you don't want to have imitators b i don't want people to do anything after me i just want everyone to do something before me paren as a pattern to himself and paren just as i do a consequently two five six skinniness all profound men have their happiness in imitating the fly fish for once and playing on the crest of the waves they think that what they do best of all things is their surface their skinniness sit venia verbo 257. From experience. A person often does not know how rich he is, until he learns from experience what rich men even play the thief on him. 258. The deniers of chance. No conquerors believe in chance. 259. From paradise. Good and evil are God's prejudices said the serpent. 260. One times one. One only is always in the wrong, but with two truth begins. One only cannot prove himself right, but two are already beyond refutation. 261. Originality. What is originality? to see something that does not yet bear a name, that cannot yet be named, although it is before everyone's eyes. As people are usually constituted, it is the name that first makes things generally visible to them. Original persons have also, for the most part, been the namer of things. 262. Subspecie Eternae a. You withdraw faster and faster from the living. They will soon strike you out of their lists. B. It is the only way to participate in the privilege of the dead. A. In what privilege? B. In no longer having to die. 263. Without vanity. When we love, we want our defects to remain concealed, 
not out of vanity, but lest the person loved should suffer therefrom. Indeed, the lover would like to appear as a god, and not out of vanity either. 264. What we do. What we do is never understood, but only praised and blamed. 265. Ultimate Skepticism. But what, after all, are man's truths? They are his irrefutable errors. 266. Where cruelty is necessary. He who is great is cruel to his second-rate virtues and judgments. 267. With a high aim. With a high aim, a person is superior even to justice, and not only to his deeds and judges. 268. What makes heroic? To face simultaneously one's greatest sufferings and one's highest hope. 269. What dost thou believe in? In this, that the weights of all things must be determined anew. 270. What saith thy conscience? Thou shalt become what thou art. 271. Where are thy greatest dangers? In pity. 272. What dost thou love in others? My hopes. 273. What dost thou call bad? Him who always wants to put others to shame. 274. What dost thou think most humane? To spare a person shame. 275. What is the seal of liberty attained? To be no longer ashamed of oneself. End of Book Third